0: Welcome to the spirit world, answering your questions on angels, demons, and how the spiritual and physical worlds interact. And now your hosts, Debbie Giorgiani and Adam Bly.
1: Well, hello there, and welcome to The Spirit World. I am Debbie Giorgiani with religious demonologist Adam Bly, and we're so happy you are with us, The Spirit World listeners. Thank you so much. Uh, We wanted to um, give you a little background on why we started the Spirit World and and, uh, what has been happening with everyone as they have been learning and growing together for almost one year, a year. Can you believe it? But we always start the Spirit World broadcasts with the St. Michael prayer. So, Adam.
2: In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, St. Michael the Archangel, defend us in battle. Be our protection against the wickedness and snares of the devil. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen.
1: Amen. So Adam, um, we're going to do like the fundamentals of the spirit world. And so to catch all of our listeners up, uh, because some have just joined the family recently. And so we want to make sure that you know where to go for the previous podcasts and you know how to um, stay current with us. And that's wonderful. And keep in mind that we, we cover a different topic every single Saturday, and we will We'll revisit those topics and go deeper and deeper. But we thought we would begin uh, with us, the hosts of the Spirit World. So, Adam, I'm going to let you start and share with our listeners um, who you are, what you do. Uh, please make sure you tell us all what a Peritus is and, um, and anything else about your ministry work.
2: Sure, Debbie. So Um, First off, I'm a lay person. I'm not clergy. And I am a peritus, which is just a Latin word that means expert. And so the church will, by decree of a bishop, name people an expert in different areas for different reasons. So sometimes if you're helping a tribunal as an expert to, you know, uh, testify on cases or, or give opinions on cases, you could be a paratus there. They also do it at ecumenical councils where they would have outside advisors advising the council. In my case, I was named a paratus of religious demonology and exorcism for the purpose of training priests and a way for the church to formally recognize that expertise so that when i would go into um, situations to train priests in seminaries uh, or individually i would be able to do that in a proper way from a canon law perspective that somebody is is recognized as an authority in those areas and that all grew deb out of this kind of interesting journey i've been on for about 17 years now Um, of being in the world of exorcism ministry in the United States. And so I have been at I, d- I don't know how many, but I know it's more than a thousand solemn exorcisms of people. I've helped train priests at national conferences, at clergy days, at seminaries, um, with seminarians. Um, I've consulted on cases all over the states, and now increasingly I'm, I'm training in other countries around the world, so kind of being flown in either for conferences or, or training for for a clergy, sometimes uh, things for the for the public. So that's kind of... Where I've been for a long time, I do work for the church full-time in a number of capacities. And so, you know, I've for uh, about 10 years now, I've been working, you know, for the church as an employee. And, um, yeah, it's it's a very interesting life. It's unusual. Uh, this is not the normal route for people to get involved in this, in this world, in this ministry. It's not something that's open to the public.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Wow. I've got some questions to ask you, but this is a pre-recorded broadcast, folks. Normally, we are live on The Spirit World, so we take your calls. We love your calls, but this is a pre-recorded broadcast for you to sit back and listen and learn the fundamentals of The Spirit World and a little bit of background on us, the hosts. And uh, so, Adam, we've heard the term paratus, which means expert, and uh, we had a couple comments actually on Facebook. And by the way, folks, you can uh, like us on Facebook at the Spirit World Podcast. We're trying to grow the family there. But we had a couple comments. They said, you know, um, they had people had heard that aparatus ha- is only reserved for clergy. So that's not
2: true, correct? No, that that's not true at all. Aparatus is actually more often not clergy, because mm-hmm. usually when the church is. Um, giving the title a peritus in some area, it's because somebody is outside the church and the church wants to recognize their expertise within the church. And okay. so often, often the clergy within the church already have a formal internal kind of church to, degree in some area or expertise. Mm-hmm. And so actually, more often than not, it's uh, somebody like a psychologist helping a tribunal or things like that.
1: Mm-hmm. So a layperson, that's fabulous. Could it? Could mm-hmm. a, a a woman? Um, get the title of Paratus?
2: Yes, certainly. It's just a recognition of expertise in some kind of academic area. area. Yeah.
1: Gotcha. So speaking of um, your work and, 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 different um, items you've produced for us tell us about some of the books you've written and especially your latest book the exorcism files true stories of demonic possession um folks you can get it at Sophia institute press i'm just saying because adam won't brag about it so i will brag for him Uh, when this book first came out it really stayed at that number one for i believe catholic books um level of amazon for uh, quite a, a long a long time when
2: you say a couple of weeks at least right oh it could have yeah something yeah. like that oh um, you didn't keep tabs on it i did no <laughs> But, you know, that we have a short journey in life, and, and the purpose of the books is to leave behind um, what God has allowed me to experience and see. So it's been, a, I think, a pretty interesting life that not everybody gets to uh, go into these areas, and so I thought it was good to record things. And then also, because so few people are catechized, Deb, like we're not often taught about these topics in terms of what to stay away from to uh mm-hmm you know, so that you don't get in trouble. And increasingly our culture is celebrating the occult and black magic and divination mm-hmm. and necromancy and ghost hunting. And so I, I thought it was good to have as many ways to kind of reach people and, and educate them as mm-hmm. possible.
1: Your books are great, thank you so much. Keep them coming to us, we need them. Um, so we started working together thanks to Jerry Usher. Uh, dear friend of ours, and also the co host of Take Two with Jerry and Debbie, heard on EWTN radio as well. And uh, Jerry introduced us, and he thought um, we would definitely become fast friends because you were uh, your ministry work in your religious demonologist, your exorcism ministry work, and then my study and, and understanding of angels. And so we were, um, we had the opportunity to come together at a couple different conferences, angels and demons conferences. And and he was right. We became fast friends and we both saw the need uh, to get the... the formation, the understanding, uh, the information out to people, exactly what it means. Uh, at the start of the show, you heard the the announcer say that it's a spiritual and how the sp- spiritual and physical worlds interact, right? And so with that, you've got the angels and the demons and this whole idea of understanding the spirit world in a, in a healthy way. In a, in a catechetical way, using the catechism, using scripture, using what we know from uh, our church fathers and the saints. Um, we, we really felt it was a, a need. It's not being done uh, unless unless somebody can tell us, you know, what religious education programs are teaching this um, in a real intense way. We haven't seen it. So we thought we would step in and try to help. And it's, we've been doing this show for almost a year and we're very pleased at the results. People are learning and growing and understanding things and feeling confident about living out their lives and their spiritual life is deepening, and that's important. So um, that's what we come to the table with. Uh, it's 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 really a beautiful uh, way that God has brought us together to work in this ministry, and we hope that our Spirit World uh, listeners Um, and supporters really, really get a lot out of it. And so that's important. So now let's um, transition into some of the topics that we cover here on The Spirit World. I know we're going to take a break in about, um, I think we're close to hitting the pause button, so in about four minutes. And um, so we'll take a break. And then we will, um, when we come back, we'll talk more about the different topics that we are trying to explore together and deal with so that we can have a better understanding but let's start Adam so we talked about ourselves and our ministry work and why we thought this was a, a necessary, um, you know, show to bring to um, the EWTN um, global audience, which we're so grateful to EWTN. But let's now talk about some of the topics. So we always get asked the question about the the levels of demonic activity, and Adam, you're gonna you're going to unpack for us um, in a way that we can you know quickly understand. Now we have done previous shows on these topics, but we will revisit them again. And so you can always catch the, um, the podcast. You can pick up the podcast on EWTN, on Guadalupe Radio Network, or even on your, your local Catholic radio station. The podcasts will all be archived there, so you can hopefully get those. And then if you want to go on Facebook, it's it's really easy. All of our past episodes are there as well. But why don't you begin, Adam, because I know we get asked about temptation and infestation, oppression, obsession, possession. And and lately, we've been getting comments of people saying, I think my, my spouse is, Possessed, or I think my child is possessed, and we want to make sure we clear that all up because that's not the case. So, Adam,
2: sure. So, the first the first division that that we make is between ordinary activity and extraordinary activity. So, the church has has seen this um, for these 2,000 years of experience, the temptation is something that God allows from cradle to grave. We have that our whole lives. It's just part of life. And that temptation can come from the demonic and temptation, you know, Cliff's notes on that from Thomas Aquinas is when the devil kind of reminds us of something, reminds us of a sin, and then excites our passions or our interest in repeating that sin, and that's temptation, that's your ordinary activity, we don't need to be scared or worked up about that. And then the extraordinary activity has basically three categories, and that's infestation, when they're doing extraordinary things in a place, like in a house. Oppression or obsession, depending on the translation of the Latin word obsessio, and that is essentially an attack on a person, but they're not possessed, but a demon is attacking them in unusual ways beyond temptation. And then the final stage is the one that everybody sees in the movies, and that is possession, and that's where they have gotten the right in, to actually take over the body of the person. And so the, the, the person is still being tormented, but now they can take them over. And so it's kind of an increasing intensity as we go up those scales.
1: Okay, so we'll talk more about uh, demonic activity when we come back. You hear the music. Um, that is our cue to uh, stay silent for a little bit. And when we come back, we'll address more of the uh, fundamentals of the spirit world. Thank you so much for uh, joining us. This is a pre recorded broadcast, so please stay with us this entire very quick hour. And we will be right back.
3: Contact us at standtalltoday.com.
4: Have you ever dialogued with someone who espouses relativism, which says there is no truth, or it might be true for you, but not for me? It's pretty frustrating. Deep down, we know these claims are false, but we often don't know why. Here's the reason. To say there is no truth is a contradiction. The assertion is tantamount to saying it's true that there is no truth, plain absurdity. Now the other position, there is no absolute truth, just truth relative to the individual set of beliefs, is problematic as well. The usage of the verb is implies an assertion about the objective order of things. It's the same thing as saying, it's absolutely true that there is no absolute truth, which of course is a contradiction. No matter how the relativist slices the pie, he ends up with a contradiction, making relativism an unreasonable worldview. I'm Carlo Brusard with the ready reason for Catholic Answers, catholic.com.
0: The Spirit World continues with Debbie Giorgiani and Adam Bly. If you have a question for the show, call 877 877- 877 757 9424 or email tsw at grnonline.com.
1: Okay, but don't call us today because this is a pre recorded broadcast. You can email us though. TSW stands for the spirit world at grnonline.com. And Tim, who's at the controls today, he's doing a fine job with Carol assisting. Um, We want to thank them very, very much. Uh, Tim just informed me that you can get all of our previous podcasts at grnonline.com slash Spirit World. Okay, that's where you can pick up all the previous podcasts. This is kind of a foundational kind of uh pre-recorded broadcast just so we can have all of our new brand new um Spirit World listeners who are listening on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network, you can get you can get up to speed and what we're what we're talking about and what we're doing here at the Spirit World very important. So Adam, go back to temptation, infestation, oppression, obsession and possession. Tell us a little bit more about what you want us to know and learn and not to be afraid of, because I don't, uh, this idea that people are just tossing out that possession word and and saying, you know, my, my loved one is possessed. That is very dangerous.
2: Yeah, it sure is, Deb. There's a lot of um, self-diagnosis of things and a lot of misunderstanding out there. So the first thing is to not be afraid of this topic in an undue way. So we want to understand again, the temptation's part of life and that's okay. And God allows it. That's a phrase I keep using, and it's a critical one. It's just like in the Book of Job in the Old Testament. Anything the devil does, God has to allow it because God is God. God created everything. God is everywhere. Nothing happens without His permissive will or His active will. So when we're looking at this topic, we don't need to get worked up and say, "Oh, I'm going to go outside and some bad, something bad's going to happen to me, and I'm randomly going to have a demonic problem." It doesn't work that way. So. Again, temptation, we don't need to give any extraordinary permission for that. That's just a trial that God allows for our spiritual maturation. That's what makes us stronger spiritually when we have something to struggle against, and that's part of life. When we're looking at the extraordinary stuff, the most critical thing to point out is that it's rare. So as you go up in that intensity from infestation to oppression to possession, it's increasingly rare. So by that I mean infestation cases, true demonic infestation, not just there was a bump in my house and now I think it's I have a demonic problem, but I mean really extraordinary stuff that it's it's very clear. Those are rare, uh, and, and that means like in a year, you know, we might see a few of those in a major city, a diocese that includes a major city. Oppression of people is about equally rare. It's not unusual for people that live in a demonically infested house to eventually it develops to oppression of the person uh, because the thing has been working on interacting with them for a period of time. And then sometimes depending on what people are doing, if they're playing around with witchcraft or divination, black magic in some form, uh, that can lead to oppression also. And in that sense, I think right in our generation, we're seeing an increase there where people are opening the door personally to oppression more often now that our culture is celebrating uh, witchcraft, Satanism, and, and playing around with these things. And it's becoming normalized. So I think there's actually perhaps more oppression going on now than infestation. And then with possession, it's basically extraordinarily rare. So for mm-hmm. genuine real cases, you know, you're talking about one or two new cases being identified in a major diocese in a whole year. Oh, um, wow. So, you know, a lot of people say, oh, this person's not behaving the way I want, or they said something or they got angry and I think they're possessed. That is, that is uh, very far from the threshold that the church has, has figured out over the centuries. In order to sure. diagnose possession, you need to see some extraordinary uh, things going on.
1: Mm-hmm. I want to get into deliverance prayer and also how much of this is, is brain health issues, mental health issues, and then how much is actually, you know, could you could say that, that the demons did have a part of it. So, or it could be... Could it be partly mental illness and partly the demons. I mean, you know, there's all sorts of things we want to cover. We're not going to we're not go- going to be able to go in depth on a lot of this, uh, a lot of these areas on this particular pre-recorded broadcast, but um, we will on future episodes. So keep that in mind, folks. This this is just kind of a, a a basic understanding because a lot of people will email us and they'll say, "What is this all about? What does this mean? How does this show work? Is it just a call in show? Are you do you have topics?" And we wanted to make sure. Everybody um, was up to speed on what we're doing. So let's talk about deliverance prayer, Adam. Um, we, we see a lot of it on YouTube. A lot of people are also throwing that around as well. Oh, that person needs uh, prayers of deliverance. That person needs help. Do I go to a priest? Can, can lay people do that? Um, you know, there's a lot of ministry work out there promoting that. So talk a little bit about that.
2: Sure. So the word deliverance is a very kind of vague term. It, it's broad, and it, and it, and it uh, is like an umbrella that encompasses a whole lot of topics and a whole lot of material. It essentially means being freed spiritually from some problem. And that problem might be an illness. That problem might be a spiritual affliction. Um, it, it might be a temptation that we keep falling to and we don't know why and we struggle with. To be delivered can mean many things. It can mean you could interpret exorcism as a form of deliverance in the sense that the person's being delivered from a possession. So deliverance is a very broad term, and we need to be a little more clear about it. Usually when we say deliverance, we're talking about people praying over other people. We're talking about people praying for people to be freed of, say, an addiction to pornography or alcoholism or uh, or extraordinary demonic problems. Usually in the, in the Catholic world, at least, when we talk about deliverance prayers, we are talking about deprecatory prayer. And that's just a, a word that means intercessory prayer, or asking Jesus to free a person of a problem. So it's, Lord, please help my father, you know, with what he's struggling with. Lord, please free my father from this from this issue. You're asking God to do it, and then it's between God and the problem. And if the problem's a demon, it's between God and that demon. When we talk about exorcistic prayer, prayers of exorcism they basically by definition involve a direct command which is very different so it's one thing to say lord please free my father from this demonic problem it's another thing to say in the name of jesus leave my father now that's not something where you're asking god to do it you are personally challenging the spirit yourself by giving it a command, and that is a qualitatively different type of prayer. And so the church has separated exorcistic prayer from intercessory prayer over the centuries because direct commands, not only is it a direct command, but it's a challenge to a spirit, and it's a consent on my part, the person giving the command, to the struggle with that spirit, because I'm personally challenging you. So if I'm a bouncer in a bar and I go up to a person and I say, hey, you know, uh, you're, you're being too rowdy, you got to leave. I've personally challenged the person and now there could be an altercation because I've entered into that challenge. And there can be a spiritual version of that altercation. And so over the centuries with the church's experience with this, the church has separated exorcistic prayers from deliverance prayers and put them in fixed rites of the church that are regulated by canon law because when you get into the realm of possessed people which is a particular type of exorcistic prayer because don't forget there's some exorcistic prayer in baptism there's also some in RCIA when somebody's entering the church we're not saying those people are possessed but there's a presumption that original sin is present In a person when they're about to be baptized. And so you're exercising the devil in the sense of original sin. Same in RCIA, very different than a possessed person. The church says that's a different type of problem. And that exorcistic prayer is a little bit different than the other ones again and so that type is regulated by canon law canon 1172 specifically even puts more restrictions on that and so what you see over time between deliverance and exorcism is one is intercessory prayer we are all supposed to pray for each other church encourages that that's fine pray for people when you pray over people or start laying hands on people and particularly when you're giving commands you're entering into an interaction that if there's a demon there you are basically challenging it and consenting to a spiritual struggle with that in an extraordinary way. So my advice is it's safer to just pray and ask Jesus to do it when we're, when it's lay people being involved in anything, you know, touching on the demonic Mm -hmm. because number one, it's safer. It keeps you out of the fight, so to speak, not that there's a fight because God is God, Mm -hmm. but, uh, it keeps you safer. And secondly, possibly more importantly, it keeps Jesus at the center of the prayer instead of you. Mm-hmm. And so when I say I'm the special person with the gift, you need me to pray over you. I'm kind of making myself an idol or a little God. I'm saying I'm more important than Jesus in a sense, mm-hmm. because it, it's me with my gift that needs to pray over you versus if I ask Jesus to do it. He's the one getting all the honor and glory.
1: Mm hmm. So what do you say about all these uh YouTube videos and even even some priests actually have have shared about these deliverance prayers that that the laity um can be saying or should be saying? I mean is it is it something we should really check with our our parish priest and you know try to make sure we're not, you know, thinking that we're something um <laughs> that we shouldn't be entering into, you know, like you said that that spiritual struggle, that's that that's that's
2: dangerous. You're going to see a range of opinions on this. This is just my opinion based on 17 years of experience and consulting on now, you know, uh, thousands of cases. And so it's not an armchair, you know, conclusion where I'm just saying I've decided that this is the way it should be. It's from a lot of experience. You don't have to follow my advice, but it is based on experience. Now, you will find people encouraging that type of prayer If you do that, the the one thing I would say is, please, please, please make sure you're doing it in obedience to your pastor or the priest that is running whatever that prayer session is. I wouldn't be doing anything, any type of deliverance prayer outside of the supervision of a priest in some form. So if it's an unbound ministry, that should be regulated by a priest and you should be obedient to them. Obedience brings a lot of protection. So when you're being obedient to the church through obeying a priest, that brings a lot of protection from God because you're, 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 you're being obedient, you're obeying the church. Mm-hmm. So even if they're encouraging you to do something that carries a little bit of risk, there's a lot of protection because you're being obedient. If you just mm-hmm. read a book and go out and say, I'm, I mandate myself to go do this, I think there's less protection because you're not submitting to Christ's mystical body on earth mm-hmm. for your authority.
1: And God definitely, as you've seen in your exorcism ministry, God is very legalistic in that way. He, he adheres to authority. He, he acknowledges authority, correct?
2: Oh, very much so. And and I know uh, when we get to the other side here this next break, we can go into it more, but the demons are very keen to call us on any time that we overstep our authority in, in the context of solemn exorcisms. Yeah
1: wow okay this is really powerful stuff we're learning today this is a pre-recorded broadcast of the spirit world so no calls today please just take out your notebooks and listen and learn it's very important stay with us there's more to come we're going to be discussing more of uh, the demonic activity and what we need to know also we're going to talk about the angelic world the the holy angels when we come back on the spirit world
3: Are you feeling lost in a sea of overwhelm? Hi, this is Coach Felicity with Stan Tall Today Coaching Minute. Many people find themselves challenged with overwhelm. Too many things to take care of, too many people to please, too much work to do. And in spite of their best efforts, they continue to fall behind with this overwhelm coming in like a flood. But that's not the abundant life that Jesus wants you to live. This is Coach Felicity with your Stand Tall Today Coaching Minute. This is a Messy Family Minute with Mike and Alicia Hernan. It's a myth that there's a perfect way to be a parent. The reality is that every family, every couple, every child is different. But when parents work together, they can figure it out. We have 10 kids of our own, so we know this path is not an easy one. We used to think that it was our job to make our children into saints. Now we realize that it's their job to make us into saints. This parenting thing is full of dying to self, hardships that are both physical and emotional. Parenting makes you more aware of your sinfulness and weakness more than almost anything else you will ever do. But this is exactly where God wants us, so he can shower us with his mercy and love. God doesn't love us in spite of our humanity. He loves us because of it. Parenting is our path to holiness. And as we change and mature, we will be better parents. We may even become saints. To get more advice and encouragement, visit us at MessyFamilyProject.org.
0: Spirit World Continues with Debbie Giorgiani and Adam Bly. If you have a question for the show, call 877 757 9424 or email tsw at grnonline.com. Welcome
1: back to the Spirit World. Kind of the foundational aspects of the spirit world that 's what we 're covering today for our brand new listeners uh, we love you guys, thank you for growing the family um, It is growing very uh quickly, which is amazing and we like to we like to say that uh saint michael we definitely feel that saint Michael has played an uh, a very key role in getting this uh, wonderful uh, show off the ground and helping us that's why we always start every single uh, episode with the saint michael prayer and you should as well dear listeners in the morning and the evening pray the saint michael prayer very powerful so um back to what you wanted to uh, discuss adam um before we hit that pause but- button so you just pick it up where you left off maybe rewind just a little bit
2: Sure. So we were talking a little bit about how the rules matter and how both heaven and hell, in a sense, are very legalistic when it comes to these interactions. So, for instance, Deb, um, this is something I've seen a number of times. So one way that, that a priest will learn exorcism is to sit in. You know, with others that are more experienced just like being mentored in any profession it's really the best way to learn and when we've had priests sitting in and coming in for training uh, you know they don't yet have permission from our bishop and their bishop to say the actual rite of exorcism they're just there to watch and immediately uh, number one the demons are very uh, focused on priests because priests are the enemy in the room and so they're really interested in who this priest is they will usually basically call them out right away and say, you don't have authority here. You can't tell me what to do. And I've seen them quite literally say, father, you know, he, usually they won't they won't say father. They'll say he and point to the exorcist who's appointed in, in our diocese. He can tell me what to do, but you can't. And then if somebody slips and in the midst of, of the, you know, kind of the rigmarole and, and, and the noise, And distraction of the exorcism. If that priest who's visiting who doesn't have permission yet slips and says something like stop it or, you know, uh, let them go or something like that, the demon will immediately stop what they're doing, turn and say, who are you? usually is the phrase they will say, which basically means, what authority do you have? Who are you to speak to me and give me an order? And so they will then dress the person down and say, you know, until you have permission, I don't have to obey you and I'm going to demonstrate it right now. And they will proceed to to do exactly what the person said not to do. So it it seems that, you know, that reference to to Peter having the keys, keys to the kingdom and what you bind on earth is bound in heaven plays out very clearly when it comes to the spirit world, in the sense that the church regulated this ministry over time, and the laws of the church are binding. And so the demon will call the priest on the laws of the church, and then God, heaven, uh, will force the demon to obey the exorcist when he has proper authority.
1: Mm, wow. <laughs> Interesting. So, Adam, you may have said this at the beginning of the show, but um, you know we have, we have listeners that kind of go in and out on the weekends uh, to, to catch our show. So I just want to make sure. So you've sat in on how many exorcisms?
2: It's north of a thousand. I don't know how many exactly. But it's just, you know, roughly north of a thousand. And, and I'm there as a coach for as the a priests. Coach. Okay. Yeah. So um, just have a, a, a knack for for this and seem to, to have a knack for what's going on, you know, having been at so many. And so I'm not doing the exorcism. I'm not a priest. And so I can't do the exorcism. But I will say to Father, did you notice what just happened? This is what this means. Okay, we need to do this next because this just happened. You know, mm-hmm, advice mm-hmm. Uh, along those lines. Oftentimes, it's just, you know, read from the book, read from the rite of exorcism. But when it comes to interrogations or, you know, if the demon's doing something really disruptive, you know, I'll give advice and then we'll debrief afterwards. So I'm basically a a teacher and a coach.
1: Okay. And uh, any priest, every priest can... um... Uh, perform the solemn solemn rite of exorcism, or they have to, to share with us again uh, what they have to go through in order to be actually to be recognized as an ex- exorcist.
2: Right. So, canon law is very simple on this topic, Deb. It's surprising. So, number one, and this is more than most people probably are might be interested in, but it but it's you know perhaps interesting. Every priest has the faculty to be an exorcist. It's part of their ordination. So some people may remember, you know, stories of the the minor orders within, you know, leading up to the priesthood in the ancient church. You know, now we have deacon, a transitional deacon on the way to becoming a priest. Well, a long time ago, we would have porter and lector and exorcist were minor orders leading up to the ordination to the priesthood. Now exorcist, along with the other minor orders, is rolled into uh, the ordination to priesthood. So technically every priest is already an exorcist but Canon 1172 restricts him to do the exorcism until he has permission from his bishop to do that. So that's really the only uh, kind of boundary to things, the only the only hoop he has to jump through is he needs permission from his bishop. So in theory the bishop could walk up to a priest with zero training, zero experience and say I want you to go in that room over there and and help and do that exorcism. And that's all that's technically required.
1: Wow. Okay, so let's... Uh flip it a little bit and talk about um, the um, the holy angels if we can um, that was excellent stuff that we needed to hear as a, as a basic understanding of the spirit world and you may be asking dear listeners well is the whole, enti- are the, is the whole entire show about the dark side? I don't want to be tuning in just to hear you know all about the dark side well that's why it's angels and demons and we talk about everything in between our own spiritual lives right and so it's very important um, but n- no we get a lot of uh, comments about uh, the holy angels, and um, that's where we both are very passionate about teaching on. um, I've studied angels for over 13 years. We pull from, of course, the angelic doctor, St. Thomas Aquinas. Um, We pull from all the other saints and uh, scripture, and of course, the catechism of the Catholic Church, where it clearly defines the truth of our faith in believing in the angels. And it's very important, and everyone has a guardian angel, and we talk about that as well. And we're going to get more uh, into that in, in future episodes. Um, but let's face it, folks, the demons are in plain view in this world. It's very obvious what's going on with Adam touched upon it when he was t- talking about ghost hunting shows and, and Ouija boards and all sorts of things that are portals for the demonic influence to come in and make a home, which is not good. Okay. And then Adam talks about this in, in previous episodes, and we'll get into that even more that they that they come in and, and it, it's like layers. They have to go through layers of these different demons that are really possessing this this individual and and Adam it's important that we we get strong in our faith that we truly understand that we all have a guardian angel and and what uh, the, the role and the mission of our guardian angel. Adam and I are are committed for sol- with solid catechesis on this, folks, because there's a lot of um, cute little, you know, figurine cherubs that everybody's buying. And, you know, when, when our loved ones pass, they said, oh, they're an angel in heaven. All of this is not actual uh, sound catechesis. Adam and I are committed to to really providing the information so that you can have a very great understanding, but you can feel confident going forward, knowing, um, what support you have around you in your guard with your guardian angels, um, and all the holy angels. And then also what you're up against, um, in spiritual warfare. So we don't want any fear, we want you to have confidence going forward. And Adam and I felt that the only way we could we could accomplish this w- is with a show like this, where we could hear from you in these live call-in shows, where you could call in and say, hey, I'm dealing with this. What does this mean? Or, hey, I experienced this. Can you tell me, Am I? do I need to go to a therapist, a psychologist, or do I need to go to a priest? And that's what we're trying to do. We don't know everything, but I can tell you this, we do have, between the two of us, uh, a lot of experience in ministry. And so we, we hope that it, you will benefit from it. And please tell us, you know, if there's things that, you know, what direction you want to go in with the spirit world going forward, you know, we're always open to suggestions and, and you know, uh, being there for you. But so I hope I covered that, uh, Adam, that we, we deal with uh, the holy angels using, um, obviously, St. Thomas Aquinas, you have to, he's the angelic doctor, he's the one who really shaped Um, our understanding of the holy angels, Um, scripture, the catechism, um, what other saints have said in other writings. And uh, with that, we we can have a really healthy understanding of, of angels.
2: Yeah, Deb, and you know a few things, and people can go back and listen because because we've gone into depth on on the holy angels a couple times. But a, a few things that are popular that I think I see floating around today, and and you've mentioned to me, is number one, it's not really our place to name our guardian angel or any angel because they're a higher order of creature than us right now, and so it's not our place to name them. Um, secondly. It's not our place to give them orders or tell them what to do. So we, we ask them for help, but they're not a servant that belongs to us. And the most important thing you can ask them for help with is temptation, you know, when you're in a moment of choosing between good and evil, a moment of either grace or harm to others and harm to yourself, that's the time to ask your angel to help you, to inspire you, uh to, to help you resist a temptation. It's their job to get you to heaven. So your guardian angel's job is to get you to heaven. And so the more you can, you know, ask them to help you and to lean on them um in faith, the better. Now And one thing we've hit on a lot is is some people kind of look for angelic manifestations and miraculous displays kind of on command um, and expect that. That's not the norm. And just like with the demonic, it's not the norm for things to fly around the room or somebody to levitate. Also, with the holy angels, it's not the norm for them to physically appear. It has happened. It happened in scripture. It's happened to saints. Um, you know, and the first thing they usually say is don't be afraid because it's, it's a powerful experience. An angel is an incredibly powerful being. But we shouldn't be expecting or looking for the miraculous all the time from them. We need to be, you know, respectful. This is a friend. But it's also, you know, a mentor. It's a being that's there to help us through life. And yes, they do miracles, but we shouldn't, you know, we should, we always need to submit to God's will, ask for miracles, pray for miracles in accordance with God's will.
1: Well said tell us a little bit of uh, the difference between supernatural, preternatural. Tell us the difference because it's that those terms are being used, I think, and, and they may be actually misused in some ways. So share with us a little bit about that. But hold, wait, wait a minute, hold that thought because Tim Mott is right on top of controls. Tim is, I mean, boy, he gets us right down to the second and he is so amazing. He is our, our producer, our engineer for today. Carol is assisting him. Uh, we're so grateful to her as well. This is a pre recorded broadcast you do hear the music that means we're going to take our final uh break and we'll have the uh last segment of this wonderful broadcast kind of giving the basic understanding of uh, why we are doing the spirit world so please 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 stay with us we'll be right back
4: such heavy burdens. Come on, babe. It'll be fun. It's just you and me. Deep within, we struggle because sin separates us from God. But thanks to the grace of confession, God compassionately listens, forgives, and sets us free. So if it's been a while since you've been to confession or mass, come home and experience a fresh start. Visit CatholicsComeHome.org.
0: The Spirit World continues with Debbie Giorgiani and Adam Bly. If you have a question for the show, call 877-757-9424 or email tsw at grnonline.com.
1: The one thing we will tell you, Adam and I agree on this very much, is that this hour flies by. It goes very, very fast, and we're not going to be able to cover everything each time we do this these uh, shows. Uh, but you you can always email us uh, later. Just just try to keep um, your emails brief because we we actually will address them and use them for a future mailbag show. We have a mailbag show once a month. Um, we we are uh, deciding if we're going to do a live um, kind of mailbag show, which is kind of exciting, where you can just call and ask any questions, So we're we're, we're working on that as well. Um, we're also, uh, coming up with some more ideas about, uh, putting together like a different series. We did the, um, the realities of exorcism. We did a seven part, uh, series on that. We also did, I think a three part series on, on the holy angels. Um, so we're, we're working on um, more of that and you, those are all on the podcast, all archived. So, um, that's for you as well, but the easiest way, and I keep stressing this and I know people go, Oh, I don't want to go on Facebook. Okay, this is a good reason to go on Facebook. Find us at the Spirit World Podcast. Share it with your friends and uh, you can send the episodes to them and it's really a a great way to educate them, catechize them in these areas. Okay, so Adam, back to um, the term supernatural versus preternatural. Tell us the difference and how it's being used because I know I I hear it being used all the time and I don't think it's being used correctly most of the time. (laughs) Yeah, so
2: really... Simply, supernatural means above nature, preternatural means outside of nature, or sometimes translated beside nature. So when we say something is supernatural, it is by definition something God is doing because only God is above nature. God created nature and is above nature. So uh, particularly, you know, one one exact um, example of that is healing or creation. So the devil can't create, but God can create something out of nothing within nature. That's a supernatural act coming from above nature. When the devil or the demons do anything extraordinary, that is preternatural because they cannot create or heal. They are not not above nature. They are a creature. They are part of nature. They're part of the spiritual world, not the physical one we're used to, but they are part of created nature and so when they act it can look unusual to us but it is not healing it's not creation and it's not a godlike activity basically when we say supernatural we're 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 really talking about miracles and that's something we we've drilled down on before the different types of miracles and what is a miracle Um, and the devil can absolutely not do miracles he can only do a sham of things that god does
1: Okay, so we hope you're learning and growing. That is uh, wonderful. That's why we're doing this pre-recorded broadcast of The Spirit World, just to get everybody up to speed. I say that all the time. I don't want anybody left behind, okay? I want you all to know what we're doing, and we've been going strong for almost a year. We're very excited about that, and we want to reach more souls, so we're so grateful to EWTN because now we're on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network, so a lot more souls are being um, impacted impacted by this uh, spirit world. So we're grateful and we are so grateful to Guadalupe radio network who is producing this fine show. And uh, we love the whole team. They've just been amazing. uh, Really making sure that um, it, it goes far and wide and that's, that's what it's all about. So anything else you'd like to cover for this, uh, the fundamentals of uh, the spirit world and what we're trying to unpack here.
2: Yeah, Deb. So, you know, one of the things we, we talk about is these different figures in the spirit world, um, you know, that we can rely on or interact with. We talked about holy angels. We also talk about saints, and that's something that some of our listeners don't have a maybe a proper understanding of, that maybe some of our listeners aren't Catholic. When we look to the saints yes it's true that a miracle that happened by asking a saint to help with a situation is part of what the church uses to judge and, and declare them a saint but the the saint is not doing the miracle the saint is interceding to god and god is doing the miracle so and this is getting this is getting at something important when we ask a saint for help we're not praying to them like they're a little god or an idol that we we see the power in the saint We are saying we are confident that you are in heaven with God. You're there with our heavenly father. You're right there in the room. Would you please ask him face to face and intercede for me and beg his mercy or his grace or his power in what I am praying about. So we're essentially recruiting a friend in heaven to pray along with us. Mm -hmm. And that has led to miracles, but we want to be clear on the show that when we're interacting with the spiritual world, there's only one source of power, and that is God. Mm -hmm. There's only one source of healing in the miraculous, and that is God. And anything that the devils, that the, the demons do, is a sham. It is an exercise of their limited created power that they were given when they were created, but it is not a godlike power. All they can do is move things around in the world. They can't create anything. They can't heal anything. And even that is limited by God. There is one sovereign creator whose will regulates everything. And so when we see this activity, and this goes back to what we said at the beginning, to not be afraid. It's not that God is mean and wants the demons to do these scary, extraordinary things. He allows it when we make the choice to invite them into our life. He allows it as a corrective experience so that we realize the monster that we are befriending and we reject him, and we run back to God. That's the bigger context that we need to understand all of this in. This isn't a scary spiritual world that's out of control, and, you know, I'm just going to get hurt by thinking about these things. It's understanding what God is allowing, and ultimately it's for our benefit. Not that the suffering is good, but, you know, sometimes we do bad things in life, and we get a bad consequence, and we say, I'm not going to do that again. Mm -hmm. And that's really what all the demonic stuff is about.
1: We're getting ready to wrap up this uh, pre-recorded broadcast that we thought was very essential for you, our Spirit World listeners. But Adam, we start with the St. Michael prayer. We talked a lot about God, which we should, right? But we have to finish with our lady's role. So in the last minute, please tell us about our Blessed Mother and the role that she plays uh, during these exorcisms.
2: Sure. So... About eight or nine times out of ten, when somebody is delivered to the final demon uh, and they're going to be completely liberated and completely 100% free of the demonic, it's the last day, the last exorcism for them. About eight or nine times out of ten, it's Mary that they see physically. They will sometimes mistake her for a real flesh and blood woman, walks in the room. She usually comes up to them. She usually smiles. She says two words. It's over. And in that moment, they are completely and utterly delivered of the final demon. And it's not a grace that we get to see. We, the other people in the room, do not see her. We don't hear her. But that person gets the grace for the rest of their lives of remembering what Mary's face looked like, what her voice sounded like, and the immense power that she had through Jesus sending her as mediatrix of all graces to deliver them of that final spirit. So yes, it's the prayer of the priest, the exorcist, it's his commands, but ultimately Jesus sends his mother to deliver the final blow and step on the neck of the serpent as we see in Revelation.
1: Wow. You gotta love Our Lady. That was awesome. We hope you got so much out of this pre-recorded broadcast. Please remember to like us on Facebook at The Spirit World Podcast. And folks, until next Saturday, have a beautiful and blessed week. We'll see you real soon.